1: Don't stop singing just because we hit record. The world needs to hear. The world
0: needs to hear the one and only. Don't get shy. Don't be shy, Russ. The one and only, live and in person, Rustolium. That's my stage name. So, with a name like Rustolium, what kind of stage do you occupy? Well, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fitting for a large cast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. No, my wife and I we've always joked like man if this if this Lark thing don't work out I'm gonna have to go back to dancing. <laughs> she laughs. I laugh too. How you doing, man? I'm all right. I'm right in the middle of a house project
1: right now, which uh, you know, when you're trying to work full time and then when you're done, you know, it's funny like you 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 work from home and then when you're done working, I'm like, "Oh, I'm just going to leave work in the basement and- <laughs> come upstairs you know it's like <laughs> some people used to talk about and this is such a distant memory for me like yeah i like the i like the commute to work it allows me to like decompress you know like
0: yeah for sure
1: at the end of the day i could just have 45 minutes listening to you know like a radio program or just like whatever you know like yep you just decompress there's, there's none of that no there's none no. of that but i have found i will say i'll, I'll confess to everybody I am a little, I am a little tightly wound. I come across like I'm kind of like carefree, mm. but I, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of, um, I don't know what you'd call it. You, you know me pretty well. What, what would you say?
0: Anal retentiveness.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get a, I, I get, I get
0: anxious sometimes. Get a little, get a little, get a little worked up. Yeah, there's yeah. people who wonder if you were toilet trained at gunpoint. <laughs> that's a great (laughs) phrase i'm just kidding (laughs) i can totally see like your great grandpa
1: saying something like that all the best (laughs) phrases come from the south by the way i will agree to that one um no for sure so you know i I think a long commute would help me though since i started riding um motorcycles that's been a good that's been a good kind of a a release you know hop on and yeah Hit it for a
0: little bit. Honestly, I found that to be the case. It's very therapeutic. Well, I'm glad you found it, man. I know it's been a long time waiting. So uh, I I personally don't have a motorcycle, as you know. I've always loved them, uh, always geeked out on them, definitely geeked out on the culture that comes with it. But I'd say growing up in Florida, which has the (laughs) highest insurance rate in the country for a reason, um, it's not. I don't worry so much about riding the motorcycle around as much as I worry about some of the people who come down to visit my state who drive on the roads running me over while I'm riding my motorcycle around town. The old so Seinfeld that's, that's joke
1: the, was that the Florida flag should just be a steering wheel and a set of knuckles. <laughs> it's
0: true, man. This is so true. If I lived in like like rural Florida, which is most of the state, People don't realize that, you know, Florida is the third largest population in the country, but 80% of our population lives within 15 miles of the coast. So if you looked at Florida like at night from, like from space, it's basically like an LED light goes around the whole outside of the state. Sure. And if I, if I lived in rural Florida, I would definitely have a bike because it's, it's a different crowd, man. That's there. It's but not as long this, as you uh, live anywhere congested. near the water. Yeah. If you yeah. live near the water and all the tourism, hang it up, man. I'm just, I just can't do it, dude. Sure but i i vicariously live through your through your weekly stories of um not your commute cuz you don't have one other than walking up seven steps but uh but of your taking a break to ride right around the block yeah well that just on got Har- started on a harley so. that
1: just got started in my life so it's a it's a very it's a very new thing i'm new to the whole thing i'm new to the the conversation there's still a lot i don't know um big shout outs to my buddy my buddy Jake who does not listen to this podcast um, which he should though. I think I might mention it to him now that i mentioned him, yeah. but he's, he's kind of like my motorcycle dad. Um, and he and I get in fights like, um, like a dad and a teenager would, because, you know, because, because I learned a couple of things, I want to act like I know everything. So our friend Brock, he has two choppers and one of them's a West coast chopper, like a legit Jesse James garage, West coast chopper. He calls Mm. it the alligator it's awesome dude it's like (laughs) it's got these like green flame paint job on it like it dude it's just it's it's so west coast you know and um so um you know now that i started riding brock was like hey man you should you should jump on the you know the gator and and take her for a spin and jake's like do not ride that bike do not get on that bike like he like he's like don't don't do it like you're gonna crash it you're gonna hurt yourself so this past weekend um, I went for a, uh, a, a little ride with, with Brock and I took the, I took the West coast chopper out and, um, I called him up. I go, I called Jacob. I go, dude, you're going to hate me. He goes, why? I'm like, I took the chopper out. He goes, I told you not to do that. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he's like, <laughs> He has all this anxiety for me because I'm like so new, you know, and he's always telling me like I'm not ready and I'm like an angsty teenager, like motorcycle yeah. kid. I'm like, I can so do it. Why are you always why are you always holding me back, dad?
0: Mm. Huh? I can do it. Sound like uh sound like a father who has teenagers at home.
1: Yeah, he doesn't. He has kids younger than younger than me, but I'm like his motorcycle son, and uh we we get in fights we get in fights sometimes about what I can and can't do, but I did ride a West coast shopper this past weekend. And it was amazing. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. It's like my buddy, Jake said, he goes riding motorcycles is like cocaine. I've literally, I've never done cocaine personally, but Mm. um, if it's as fun as riding motorcycles, I might've given it a whirl back in the day. I'm just going to (laughs) say, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and say that. (laughs) Oh man.
0: (laughs) So. I was going to say something, but there's really just no, there's no restoring that comment. You, yeah. just have to, you just have to laugh at that one and just let it ride. Well, while we're on the
1: subject of riding motorcycles and cocaine, we should probably switch to the parables. That's a, that's a pretty natural transition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's normally whenever I'm like hanging out on the streets, just, you know, hanging with people, dude, meeting people. <laughs> sitting at a bar whenever there's a conversation about Harleys and cocaine. I'm like, hey, you guys ever heard of the parables Jesus told? Speaking of cocaine, <laughs> speaking of cocaine, it uh, it crushes up powdery kind of like uh, mustard seeds. Ooh, OK, Ooh, come on. See now what you
1: did there. Yeah. So you, you kind of let the cat out of the bag. We're talking about um, the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. Out of Matthew 13. We're kind of like all in Matthew 13. So if you've been following us from the beginning, the last two have been in the same in the same vicinity. But uh since we are on the topic of a mustard seed, I wanted to ask you, um, I because I know you're such a barbecue connoisseur and us talking about this idea of, of the mustard seed, what is the general consensus in the barbecue community of mustard as a garnish as a side for barbecue?
0: Um well, I don't know if anybody eats mustard as a side when
1: they eat barbecue. Well, you get what I'm saying, like a little like they, you know, they have it on the side. Don't be an ass. Okay. <laughs> they have it on the side. It's like what,
0: whatever, you, a condiment. Okay. Is that better for you? That's better. That's better. You got to get on my level, man. You want to have this conversation. Okay. No, I just thought I'd practice that like older dad talking to a teenager, you know, about motorcycles, but more in the barbecue. Yeah, no, world. my
1: friend Jake doesn't condescend me like you do. <laughs> he just says, don't do these things. And I'm like, I'm going to do them anyways, Jake.
0: So yeah, man, I'll just make it quick. Um, South Carolina, North Georgia, that's where you'll find a mustard based sauce for barbecue as in like a primary ingredient. I will say uh, having a mother who's from Charleston, South Carolina, um, I was definitely introduced to that and have, uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of it. That said, with a father um, who's eighth generation in North Carolina, which is what we would call the the, the barbecue state. Um, I'm a I'm a vinegar guy, man. So the vinegar base, bro, that enhances the flavor of that smoked meat, dude. Yeah, come on, that's that's top of the list. So is but isn't the mustard like you were saying is a part
1: of that? Isn't that isn't that are those two things synonymous or no?
0: No, no. No. So you'd have a mustard based sauce, which again would be a South Carolina based barbecue sauce. Okay. Um, so, you know, different regions of the country, you're going to have different ingredients, man. You're going to have a lot of molasses, brown sugar. You know, if you're around like Memphis, Kansas city, you know, ketchup among other seasonings, right? Texas. Um, you know, if you're in Alabama, dude, it's a mayonnaise based sauce, right? Like Chick-fil-A sauce. Yeah, dude. Chick-fil-A sauce that everybody loves. That's a mayonnaise based sauce. Yeah. But Chick-fil-A sauce is a basically their own invention, man, of almost like this concoction of like a Georgia meets Alabama mayonnaise based barbecue sauce. Yeah. So I didn't know that when it came to barbecue. Now mayonnaise
1: okay. is actually like a whole other subject. Yeah. Um, if you ever want to know about what russ and i like talk about when we're not podcasting it's basically just food we get in arguments about things like mayonnaise over text message i'm a yeah. hellman's guy and um you know russ is a, a dukes guy which i didn't even really know anything about dukes and i saw it at our grocery store on sale Almost like all these Midwest people, they're like, we don't even know what that is. We can't even like acknowledge it. It was just on sale. Yeah.
0: But if you, one of you guys give it a whirl, man, like it'll enlighten that whole part of the country. (laughs) (laughs) It'll create a
1: movement. I will say I bought, I bought a jar. I was like, all right, I'm about to see what this is about. But I didn't think mayonnaise, obviously when thinking about like different sauces that go with, with barbecue, but I was asking you because I've been to barbecue joints that have straight up like mustard, not like a mustard based sauce, but straight up just mustard. Have you ever seen anything like that?
0: It might just be because they sell corn dogs or hot dogs <laughs> or something, bro. <laughs> and you didn't read the whole menu because I can't nah, imagine anybody. So don't putting don't mustard talk to us about
1: hot dog related things because we have, we, we, we got that on lock. So speaking of mustard, that's the only thing you should be putting on a hot dog. If you're putting ketchup, on your hot dog, just punch yourself in the face. I don't care if you're five years old and you're listening <laughs> to this podcast with your mom. If you're in a car seat right now and you're riding around in a minivan with your mom and you're listening to some dude talk about hot dogs, if you put ketchup on your hot dog, punch yourself in the face.
0: Yeah, and just, especially yeah.
1: if you're from the Chicagoland area, your parents should have raised you better. Only mustard on mm-hmm. hot dogs. Well, with all this said, we um, want to talk about grace in the parables. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's probably where we need to go.
1: You wanna talk you wanna talk about the non judgment of Jesus at the parables? Yeah. Yeah. We don't Speaking really of- know if Jesus is is judgmental cuz he never got to talking about hot dogs. I feel like if we got him on the subject of food, he might be a little judgy, I feel like.
0: Yeah, judgy eyes at, at minimum. <laughs> <laughs> judgy eyes for sure. <laughs> he might withhold his words, but he'll have the judgy eyes. Yes, judgy eyes will come out. They have to, man. You know, when you're, you know, when somebody, you know, turns their nose up to a vinegar-based barbecue. It's like Dude, just go home. Yeah. You can't be, you know, the maker of all things
1: good, true and beautiful and then not roll your eyes at someone that just prefers like frozen food, you know,
0: over like yeah. handcrafted goodness. Yeah. No, you, you can't. Yeah. You really can't, man. Like, it's, all
1: right, we're going to dive in here. I'm just going to go ahead and read these. They're pretty short. Um, but before you read
0: that, dude, okay. I just got to say, would it not be hilarious? Can you not <laughs> imagine in your mind? Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like
1: spit it out. Like,
0: Like the the disciple, like Andrew, you know what I mean. Like, could you see him like at a campfire, dude, like putting some ketchup on a hot dog, and Jesus just smack (laughs) it, smacks it right out of his hand. (laughs) Like, the
1: heck are you doing? Yeah, Andrew, you don't know this, but many years from now, there's going to be a city named Chicago, and they are going to perfect the hot dog.
0: Yeah, yeah, just smacks it right out of his hand. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, proceed to the parables.
1: All right. Moving on to Bible time time with Russ and Tony. That's what we should have named this podcast anyways. Okay. Um, It's just three short verses. So Jesus says this, he put another parable before them saying the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. That a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened so that's it man two short parables three short verses we're talking about mustard seeds and we're talking about a big lump of dough is basically (laughs) what we're what we're talking about here before we dive into the particulars though um what we wanted to do is we wanted to bring up a few themes that are starting to emerge Now we're in our third podcast on the parables, some themes that are emerging about the kingdom. We didn't want to get into it on the front end. We wanted to share a couple of them so that when we brought up some of these themes um, you, you have something to anchor it to and place it a little bit, but these have been helpful for us. Think about them in in terms of just like maybe lenses, um, interpretive lenses, or maybe keys to understanding what Jesus is saying about the kingdom. But um we have three of them for you. The first one is this. Jesus has been talking about the kingdom in universal terms, or he's saying that the kingdom is universal. And so we saw this in the parable of the weeds in particular, because Jesus literally says in the explanation of it, the field is the world. What he means is the whole world, like like the whole globe, all the dirt, all the earth, all of its sides I'm not going to get into the whole flat earth rounder earth thing but however you imagine the earth fitting yeah. into your brain right the kingdom is everywhere similar in the so, uh sower and the seed the the father is liberally sowing right the word his son throughout the entire world and we see it for sure in this parable here
0: yeah yeah it's um as you said like the whole field was sown parable of the wheat and the Weeds, right? All, every type of soil that represents every type of person and place in this world and the seed and the soil, rocky, right? You know, roads, you know, all, you know, good soil, all those things that were all mentioned in the parable that we hit, you know, prior to that. And in this case, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And I love this. He said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain, I should say, of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Okay, the word field there literally means earth. Earth. So once again, earth. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I just you know it's a great point. Which then goes on to like the second thing that we notice about the parables is not only does he say the kingdom is universal everywhere, but the other thing that we notice that we're learning that we're seeing now is that the kingdom works like a hidden mystery. Hmm. That's another lens that I think we're starting to pick up on. You know, as we're as we're diving into these, the kingdom works like a hidden mystery. Like in this particular story. Jesus refers to refers to the, he says, it's uh, the smallest of all seeds. All right. The smallest of all seeds. So the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Okay. Everywhere. And it is the smallest of all seeds. It's like this tiny hidden thing in the ground. It's, it's almost like uh, unobservable in a way. Yeah. It's like, these are not, The last three parables, these are not earthly powerhouses.
1: If you're looking for examples, right. Of like Mm. your program or what you're doing in the world. Like these are not armies, horses, swords, and torture devices. They are seeds, even smaller seeds and yeast, just (laughs) like a lump of dough. And so I think when I hear you say mystery, or when I hear other people say mystery, what I'm, what I hear is it's a, it's like a paradox, it doesn't work according to how we think power works, how kingdoms work, how God mm-hmm. would, would work. He doesn't appeal to like the wisdom of the world, so to speak. Right. Or as one person said that I was doing a little bit of study and he said, the kingdom will rarely be front page news. It's standard method of operation would be barely visible to the eye of publicity. It's em- yeah. the MO of the kingdom. I think what Jesus is saying is it doesn't work according to how you think power and kings and kingdoms work, it flies under the radar, which is, it's so consistent of Jesus himself, like his whole story.
0: Yeah. When you think about like, if you're, if you want to go into the, say like the ministry world and you think about hype and success, right, <laughs> and, you know, publicity and, you know, everyone and their mother's seeing it and talking about it. And there's a lot stirring around it. That's basically the opposite of everything you see with Jesus Yep, and how he describes how the kingdom works. Mm-hmm. It's very simple it's, it's in the mundane. It's, uh, it's, it's quite beautiful and restful. Yeah. That whole mystery thing has been a bit of a litmus test for me over the
1: last few years. I think to myself, if every news outlet celebrity and corporation is getting behind this thing, is it really the kingdom of God?
0: Uh, Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Maybe not. And so it's just something to note here, man. In this parable, Jesus said that just to be clear, the kingdom, okay, uh, is the very thing that's sown, all right? The kingdom is the very thing that's sown. That's not like the fruit this, of the thing that's sown. Right. That's right. what I mean by like hidden mystery. That, so the kingdom, therefore, is not something that comes from the seed sown the way that we often think about kingdom today. Like it is the
1: this, seed itself.
0: Yeah, we think it's this. If some, in some camps, like the kingdom is this thing that's going to come once the world ends, right? In other camps, it's like this thing that we bring and build and can point to, and we can, uh, you know, build up or break down or whatever it is that, you know, whatever it is that you feel like you need to do there. Jesus says, no, no, the kingdom is universal and it's a hidden mystery. And it's not something that comes from the seed sown. The kingdom is the very thing that's already been sown. Right. Okay. Which goes into the third thing, which is, is that it's,
1: it's, well, it's actual. Yes.
0: Meaning it's, it's,
1: actual, even though it is unobservable, even though it is a mystery, it is actual and it's currently working. So go back to the last one, weed and the wheat, you have the seed is sown and the the fruit of it, the program of it is growing just as like neck and neck with the program of the evil one, the wheats, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's actually at work. If you grew up like I did in the church you kind of maybe would have got the idea that the kingdom is this like thing in the future that's coming. And now we're just kind of like twiddling our thumbs, kind of like waiting right for this King and for this kingdom to come. Jesus tells a much different story in the parables.
0: Yeah. Very different. You know, like in this one particular, he says that it's the smallest of all seeds. Okay. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. So this sea that is the tiniest of seeds, something that seems so, you uh, you know, that is so obscure, so hidden, he says it grows up into something that's bigger than all vegetables. It literally becomes a tree. And so the beauty here, like the, the thrust of this parable is showing the vast difference between the hiddenness of the kingdom at its sowing and the lushness of the kingdom in its final fruition. Yeah. And who and doesn't like dude, a good tree, dude, especially on a sunny day?
1: They're hangout spots,
0: right? You want
1: to get under a tree. It protects you from the rain. It protects you from the sun. It's a gathering place. Like you get this whole idea of, right. This is, this is good. It's like a scene out of snow white, dude. She's just like walking around, you know, like birds on her shoulders. They're just chirping away. And all the rest of the forest animals are all getting along and talking to each other. It's like very, (laughs) it's very utopic, you know, like it's like, it's It's good. It's good. 1960s Disney film. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the one thing that's missing from these two parables is something that we saw in the last one, which was this idea of a last judgment or a final judgment. This is the piece that's missing here.
0: Yeah, which I think goes on to this four thing. So just to be clear here, for everybody who's listening to us, these things that we're noticing about the kingdom that we're finding through the parables, one, universal, right? Two, works like a hidden mystery. Three, it's actually present and working. Four, it's always met with hostility. And here's where it gets really, really, really interesting in this particular parable. Okay. When you pick up from where we were in the last one, Jesus told, spoke about the parable of the weeds and the wheat. And in the end, we saw this, you know, um, it's almost like Jesus having discussed the problem of evil and God's ultimate verdict on it in the end of the world. And that last parable, it's right. like Jesus knows their heart and he knows where their minds are going. So he just drops both subjects, the subject of evil and what God's going to do about it. He drops both of them completely in this parable they're gone. It's like, uh, I, I, we don't know what Jesus is thinking, You know, just to be clear, but I feel like from looking at the text, I feel like what he sees is a people like our current society caught up in a frenzy and in this, in this frantic pursuit to rid the world of evil and, and injustice. And since that obsession is so hazardous to our grip on what God is like and how the mystery of the kingdom aces out the evil of our world, he simply doesn't offer any more conversation on the matter. This parable ends, okay, very different than the other one. This one ends with a tree and birds nesting. All you get here is sun shining, birds flying under the shade, and people larking around under the trees. <laughs> he just, it is nice a beautiful use of scene. The word lark. <laughs> yes, and goes there. How's that? And dude, if I'm just being honest, on one hand, that's beautiful. And on the other hand, that's difficult because of our obsession with justice, man, our obsession with making the world right in our time and pleasure.
1: You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. You bring that up because I've really, I reconnected with a old friend recently in the conversation. You know, we got to talking about just good news and, and you not want to talk about met with hostility. He was a little hostile to what I was saying, And he was telling me that um, that I was missing the fact that um, I'm not using judgment as a key interpretive lens. For the scriptures. I mean, I was using the death and resurrection and the reconciliation of all things as an interpretive lens for the scriptures. I mean, uh, how silly of me to do that, you know?
0: You're talking about like when God said, this is where I'm going to judge sin in the world. And yeah, you mean the the place where he
1: said, it is finished, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of important. But, anyways, it's like we are infatuated with justice, we are infatuated with judgment. The whole world is not just the religious community. And I would, well, going back to what we're saying, we're bringing reckless grace to a religious world. That is what we're about because we are all religious. Yeah. We're like the disciples in Luke chapter nine, who wanted to rain fire down from heaven after a Gentile village and the <laughs> Gentile, just all that, all that means is just non-Jewish um, a Gentile village didn't receive Jesus. They're like, Oh Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? My first thought is, have you done this before? Like (laughs) you're so confident that you could just tell fire to come down. You know,
0: these dudes were like, they were, they were like really up in their game in this moment.
1: It's like, it's like if Marvel merged with the new Testament, is this a disciple superpower? You could just call heaven down. It's like the Thor Ragnarok scene where he finally realizes that he can manipulate (laughs) thunder. And which is funny because both these brothers are called the sons of thunder. the new testament but it's like i think we all really long for justice um and i think at the core there's there's some there's some good there, but we're like the servants, man. We're like the servants when they discover that there's been weeds sown into the field of wheat. We want to just uproot it right now, but it's hard for us to imagine. And it's even hard. It's even harder for us to actually do this. It's actually hard for us to bring justice into the world without it involving the ruin and removal of another person. Like we want blood, Mm. we want atonement. And I think that's why the death and resurrection of Jesus is such an important thing to keep in mind as an overarching interpretive lens because at one point, Jesus was the center of public outrage. Yep. He, he, was, he was the person at the center of public outrage, very much like Derek Chauvin is right now. Right and left screaming for his removal. Yep. yep. And I think at the cross, what ha- what's going on is he was the center of public outrage. He made our thirst for wrath. He made our thirst for retribution, the very meeting place for his loving reconciliation. As they're crying out for his crucifixion he literally submitted himself to the vengeance and anger of man mm. and the very person or the people that you have in mind as the center of your anger it could be a person right that was just recently you know convicted i'm not going to get into that it yeah. could be a, it could be a people that carry a certain ideology it could be a people that represent a place that hurt you in the past maybe it was a church maybe it was another group yeah. Right. The very people right you think of at the center of your anger, at the center of your longing for justice. And just picture those people, right? That you would love to see removed from the face of the earth. Dude, Jesus died in their place. Yeah. He put himself in their place. And that's the crazy thing about the cross. That's the crazy thing about the suffering of Jesus. He's the innocent one, and yet he's standing in the place of those who are guilty. Yeah, Der- Jesus died for Derek Chauvin. Jesus died for George Floyd. Jesus yep. died for the elders at that church that hurt you. Jesus died for people who are holding on to ideologies that you would consider threatening to your family and to the world or the country that you you love. Jesus yep. died for the person who voted for Donald Trump last year. You know, Jesus died for the person who voted for Joe Biden. You know, wh- whoever you demonize, whoever you want right to bring justice to yep. is loving reconciliation. Right, it met that thirst, that retribution, that desire, and we very much are like the servants. And the parable of the mustard seed gives us none of that.
0: No, no, it's uh, you know, just to piggyback on what you're saying, I love the way you bring that up. This this thirst we have for the ruin and removal of what we think is the problem, the people we think are standing in the way, and then you see Jesus coming and bringing actual true justice to to anything that they've done and to all that you've done and to all that's been done against you. Yeah. And so Jesus instead of bringing ruin and removal brings rescue and reconciliation through the only possible way and that's actual true justice poured out on the cross of Christ. The only yep. one who could actually endure it. You know, cuz I was thinking about it the other day, and I'm like, man, if 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 God didn't justly punish the sins of Derek Chauvin on the cross of Christ, then he two thousand years ago, then he didn't justly punish the sins of George Floyd, or then he didn't justly punish right yours, mine. Right. When it, it comes down to it, man, there's a kingdom that's been brought that is universal, and it works like a hidden mystery, and it's actually present and working, but it is met with hostility because there's just something in us, man that just this 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 disease of self-reliance hmm. that just for some damn reason, man, won't let us just let go and take him at his word and just say, thank God that he chose to justly deal with the sins of the world without having to crush us all in the process. And instead, literally unite us as one people in his risen son. Yeah. That's the gospel story, man. Yeah. And somehow s- the only, and an only way that God
1: could is he literally brings justice to the world and it mingles with forgiveness. It's not to our ruin, but our reconciliation. Yeah. And the only justice that we can conceive of or, or, or contrive is Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? The Mm. irony of that is like, they're literally saying that to the son who came down from heaven, not to consume (laughs) us with fire, but to reconcile us in his life, death and resurrection. And he rightly rebukes them after they say that, you know, because he knows what he's about to do on the cross. He came for those people who were the subjects of their, you know, desired, desired wrath and justice. What a, what a thing to flippantly say. (laughs) Hey, do you want us to wipe all these people out with fire?
0: It's like the worst way to die. It really is, man. That or being eaten by a shark. But what's cool is when you, when you pull back and look at it at 30,000 feet and you go, Whoa, all this he's done to bring about a relationship. Right. And if we would just pull back and, and, and allow ourselves to to see through the lens that he's given us through these parables, maybe we could start to see the people around us, not as objects of wrath, but what if we actually started to desire the one thing God desires, a relationship? Hmm. Like what could come from that, man? Which to me goes right into one, some really cool points that he highlights in this next parable that we'll hit. But the fifth little lens, you could say that we start to see in the parables. One, again, universal. Two, a hidden mystery. Three, actually, right? it's actually present and working. Four, it's always met with hostility. And five, uh, requires faith. That is the one thing in every parable and the only thing that Jesus invites us to do, mm-hmm. to take him at his word, to believe that the kingdom of God really is like the tiniest of seeds that grows into something that results in us lurking in its shade. All right, enough Dude, already. Let's get to the, come on, the, man. the dough, the lump. Well, that's, that's where it goes next, man. Is 11. The leaven. And that's, dude, for me, this is probably one of the most exciting things to talk about at, and all the parables. It's so short and so quick, but so like mind bending. We, we can't even begin. And you're a foodie. We, it helps. That helps too. It does. But it definitely says that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, he says is like, is like leaven that a woman took and hidden three measures of flour until it was all leavened. So just to be clear, this is no mom trying to keep a toddler happy during a COVID lockdown with some fun homemade bread making in the kitchen. <laughs> no, okay. this is the big, this is the big leagues of bacon right here. Yeah, this is, this is a baker. This is three measures of or is, is, is three measures is a bushel of flour. Okay. That's 128 cups, 16, five pound bags. And when you get done putting it into the 42 cups of water, you need to make it come together. You have a little over 101 pounds of dough on your hands. All right. Russ is doing math. I'm surprised no one got hurt <laughs> during that process. This is this is this is a big operation, man. So I just think that's really cool to notice. But here we go, man. Like it's universal. The lump stands for the whole world. The kingdom is universal. The key is knowing that this lump is still just unbaked bread. All right. Just to be clear. In other words, it's indigestible in its present form. It's incapable of going anywhere on its own. Uh, to heaven or hell. All right. So that, that's, that's the earth, dude. That's it's, it's this lump, man. And it's the whole lump, bro. The whole lump. And it's just sitting there.
1: It's just sitting there. And what's wild is you really can't do anything with a lump of dough after it's been leavened. Mm, It it requires time and it requires patience. Like if you thought the idea of patience was built into agriculture, which for sure it is, it really, it really comes out in the lump here. Oh, so man. if you're wanting to fast track the work of the King and the work of the kingdom, very much like the servants were in the weed and the wheat, yeah. um, this, this same, the same things that play here, man,
0: with this one and not, you don't get to fast track what God, what God's doing. And so yeah, and like, just if you want to pick up on that same framework, man, like it's mysterious, right? This is mysterious. It's a, it's a hidden ministry. Uh, mystery. Notice it literally says the word hid in the parable. Yeah. Jesus takes the hiddenness of the kingdom to a whole new level in this story beyond anything he touched on when he referenced the kingdom being like seeds sown in the ground. All right. Mustard seeds, although they're the tiniest of seed, right? As Jesus said, if somebody really wanted to, they could take the time to dig up mustard seeds. You you could go find it. You can find it. All right. But yeast? No way, bro. Yeast enters into the dough by being dissolved in the very liquid that makes the dough become dough at all. So there's not a single moment of the dough's existence from start to finish in which it's not unleavened dough. So just as the kingdom enters the earth at its moment of humanity, any in the world, think about that, what Jesus is saying in this story. Say it it again, say it again, what you just said. Just about yeast, like when it enters into the dough, okay, by being dissolved into the very liquid that makes the dough become dough at all. There's not a single moment of the dough's existence from start to finish. Okay. Now, again, remember, he's referencing the earth as like this dough. Right. right? And the kingdom is like leaven. So there's not a single moment of the dough's existence from start to finish in which it's not un- leavened Mm -hmm. dough meaning the leaven the yeast has done its work so just as the kingdom enters the earth at the at the moment of creation think about it like that there's never been an unkingdom humanity anywhere in the world because the earth never existed separate from the king who made it and holds it into his very existence
1: yeah dude it's
0: it's mind-blowing man
1: the, the universal aspect that we brought up is, is, is really thick here. The kingdom is invasive. Um, And even I think going back to the, the, the weed in the weed, I don't mean to keep doing this, but if you think to yourself, okay, so the kingdom is this invasive thing. It's literally soaked into everything. It immediately makes you think, well, how can the kingdom mingle with like these things that like these evil, wicked, bad things that I see at play, what does the kingdom of God have to do with any of that? And that again is like the crazy thing about it. Like it is, it is mysterious to think of how that the good and bad can mingle together or that even evil has like a good and right and purposeful place in the kingdom of God, or that it's not redeemable or that it it, it exists certainly within his kingdom.
0: Yeah. It's it's, not outside of it. When I... When I've been able to point to just, you know, the evil in my life at times, especially like the first half of my life, man, uh, was the king not present? Was he not pursuing me with a love that I couldn't even begin to grasp, moving me towards the very thing that I was created for? Hmm. Was he not patient with me and kind even in the midst of that? It's I I think that his ways, dude, are so beyond our ways and beyond our understanding. But I just love this point about just how, how the kingdom works, like this hidden mystery, dude, when you start to see it through this idea of, of the yeast and, and the leavened bread and the earth. And like, do the like the big aha, man, if for me in this is the kingdom didn't arrive in 4 BC when Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, okay? It just showed us his face and gave us his name. Think about that. That's a good way to put it out like that. The kingdom didn't just show up 2000 years ago and it's not just showing up as we go and do these things that we call kingdom work. There's never been a moment that the earth has ever existed Separate of the kingdom, hmm. separate of the king ever. It's like, it's never been unleavened. It's never been unkingdomed. There's never been an unkingdom humanity, dude. Which the kingdom is kingdom-een. Mean <laughs> is, man, which is like that next point, that next sort of like framework about how the kingdom is... Is, is present and working when you when you start to realize that the kingdom was represented by the yeast in the dough. Okay. Just as the seed parables represented the kingdom as the seed in the ground. All right. That's an important, that's an important distinction. The, the yeast in the dough, the seed in the ground, that's what represents the kingdom. All right. So for every second the world has existed, it's existed in the kingdom of God. Its progress, as Capen said, is not a transition from non-kingdom to kingdom the way that we think. All right, but from a hidden kingdom to a kingdom made known, to a fully yep, to a fully manifested. Dude, kingdom. I love that. It's not the world isn't changing into a more of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's, tra- it's the transition is from a, a kingdom that's hidden and has always been hidden, to one that's being made known. Yeah,
1: in there in the New Testament, there's a book, Hebrews, um, and it says that the kingdom is something that we're receiving. Yeah, dude. We always, if you grew up in the church, you would get this idea that it's something that is coming or that it's being built or it's something that is advancing, right? Like it's gaining ground where it didn't previously have have ground. Yeah. And I wonder I wonder what changes in your mind to see that this is an invasive thing. It's literally soaked into every piece. It's 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 a it's a leaven in the entire cosmos. And I like what you're saying because when Jesus came, when he was born, he existed prior to that, man. He's the uncreated one. He's the one that made all things. He yeah. was in the beginning with the Father, but now he's been made flesh and and he's become flesh rather and he's come to make the Father known. It's the mystery of Christ. God's always been like this. He's just yes. finally just like peeling it back a little bit and clueing us in as to who he is and what he's been doing
0: and what he's up to and what's to come. Yeah, man. I think I think our obsession with change is leads to our obsession with control and I think that's that leads to some form of a constant obsession with who's in and who's out, the exclusive and inclusive nature of humanity, especially in all of the tribes that are running around and the church, dude, it would be, you know, king among it. And I think that, I think this is just a failure, man, of just taking Jesus at his word. It's, um, you know, it's, we, you know, it's like, well, no, not, like we get this, you know, we're a part of this, but you know, my unbelieving neighbor, dude, like the kingdom's not there yet. I mean, they're, they're not connected to this. I am like, dude, Paul was preaching at the Areopagus, talking to a group of intellectuals that had not yet believed in Jesus Christ, and literally tells them, even you right now find your very being in the book of Acts. He says, You find your very existence in Him right now. Mm -hmm. The very breath you breathe, the words you speak, the life you live, you live in Him who is life. Right. You just haven't awakened to this yet. Yeah. The reality is present. You just, you're just finding yourself running around in the matrix, basically. Well, even going
1: back to the sower and the seed, like even the responses that you see in that parable, I like how we'd like to bring those up, like they're almost like permanent categories for people, (laughs) you know. And it's like great point, you know. And I, I I have a good bud. I just had a cigar with him the other day. He's a he's a youth leader at a local church, and he got done listening to our podcast on the sower and the seed, and like that Wednesday. Like his, the youth pastor was bringing that up. And of course, what's the, what's the main thrust of it? Let's just bypass the sower went out to sell bypass the whole gospel story, bypass everything. What's what soil are you? What soil are you? And they're like, that it's like, we treat them like permanent categories. And it's like, dude, like, look at like everyone who is a, you know, a quote unquote, hardened path, man,
0: maybe in the moment, dude, I've been all those soils. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You yeah, know, hard as a brick on the inside to grabbing onto a little bit and then like watching it float away, you know what I'm saying? To watching yeah. other like loves
1: and obsessions I have right now, like choke out the word, you know, like all yeah. that. And we think that these are like permanent categories when he's more just saying like, man, how are you hearing? Yeah, how are God. you hearing? How are you listening? How are you receiving me right now? And it's like, yeah, dude. Okay. So we're just going to slap a label of hard soil on somebody and be like, you're done out. Peace.
0: Well, dude. That point, man, to me goes right into one of my favorite points about this parable, which is the whole hostility piece, you know, in regards to like the lens of seeing this. In this parable, Jesus goes on to say that our efforts to interfere with the kingdom, to make it do what it needs to do, to make people be what they're supposed to be, to judge what soil they are and aren't, to move them from one camp to the next. He literally says in this parable that it's not going to do anything, okay? That our ability to interfere with the kingdom— And what it's doing is impossible. The intrinsic workings of the yeast to the lump, like the kingdom to the earth, okay? Leaves no room for anyone to undo what it has set out to accomplish. I can't make the yeast more yeasty. You cannot separate them. They are intrinsic. You cannot pull them out. You cannot separate it. You can't chop it up. You can't fix it, correct it. You can't do a damn thing to interfere with what the king has set out to do in his kingdom, dude. And I think he's just talk, that
1: good. When you talk about response, um, the only response is it goes back to the same response of weed and wheat. Yeah, um, yeah you hit it, it be, earlier. Suffer it, forgive it, right? Like it's like we it, patience is the only thing you can do to a leaven lump of dough. You need patience. It needs to sit. It needs to come into like full fruition. It needs to do what it does. I'm not going to act like I'm some expert bread maker right now, but I know it needs to sit there for a minute. And if you put it in, right, if you bake it too early, if you bake it too late, you know, like it needs to come into its maturity. So I think the only response is
0: patience. Um, I think there's one probably, not
1: get, probably not to get caught up in the hype of people who are impatient too.
0: Yes. Yeah. You're definitely spot on there, man. Like being patient and then allowing ourselves not to get dragged into the impatient camp. That's trying to fix this. Yep. But I would say one other thing is, is which, you know, we've read in our studies is discernment. I think discernment on who's doing the work here. In other words, um, newsflash for everybody listening. And this is for me as well for YouTube, Tony. Um, we're not the baker (laughs) and this lump of dough that's that's being perfected yeah it ain't ours Mm -hmm. and we didn't get hired to be bakers we're not the woman in the parable Mm -hmm. so once again we constantly we hit this one with the first episode about the parables we're constantly writing ourselves into the story where jesus doesn't so just having some discernment man to know that no matter what you do the yeast works anyway he's that good and even your negative responses or resistance They only interfere with your convenience of enjoying what it is that God's doing in the world. They don't interfere with what God's actually working out in the world. Okay. Your resistance, your response only allows you to enjoy what he's doing because you're not going to cut in on it. You're not going to rush it. And all of our manufactured baked goods are of no value. Yeah. And to push the, to push the, uh, the
1: imagery a little bit further, if I can take some freedom here, you know, it's like when it comes to this whole, whole analogy, we're already baked to perfection. Mm. We're already perfect in Jesus.
0: Yeah, dude. Colossians, it's not really like, playing on that one.
1: It's not like, you know, that this lump of dough represents this like unfinished thing. And like, we got to be patient about this or like become something. It's not about becoming, it's not about growing. It's not about transformation. <laughs> it's not about you know, any of that. It's a, it's a work independent of us. It's a work of another person. Um, and our best efforts can only really ruin it. We
0: really just have to
1: trust he's making something
0: known. He's not making it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But we're already baked to perfection, man. We're already righteous in Christ. We're already perfect in him. Um, Hidden,
0: literally says you're hidden in Christ. Who is our life? Yeah. Dude, what is there any better news than that? Nope. And the journey in front of us is a is a, is a journey of trust where we're learning to enjoy what it means to to walk with the God who's who's made us and who's made those around us. Learning the beauty and the art of friendship, man. And the joy of that that's mirrored in the Trinity, getting back to this dance. It's we're we're like, you know, so if we've talked about in the past, man. Like our, our journey isn't uh, as you said, becoming something we're not. We're we're getting used to. Who we really are already in the risen savior. Imagine if this parable was like uh, the kingdom
1: of of God is here's a bunch of ingredients. Good luck.
0: (laughs) That's how we treat it. (laughs) So how we treat it. It's like, no, there's,
1: there's this like borderline. I'm not even going to say she's a professional. She's just like, she knows what the hell she's doing. She has all the ingredients. And She knows exactly what needs to go down at exactly the right time. And she is baking a ton of it. Yeah. Um just so we're clear, it's already she's already leavened, it's
0: already done.
1: <laughs> and in the end, it's gonna be it's gonna be good, man. It's gonna be good.
0: It is, and I think there's such a relief in that, man, because Exactly. Especially in the ministry world. There's so much, uh, there, there's so much attention right now and effort being poured into trying to engineer the kingdom. And I think it's because we believe it's something we can actually manufacture.
1: Yeah. Dude. There- all, all, all it is, is trying to put together, um, a recipe. All it is, yeah. is just trying to figure out, right. Like we all list.
0: trying to find the, yeah. We're, we're trying, trying to figure out the, the grocery list and we're Literally. selling it, dude. It's a billion dollar industry. And selling different ingredients to bring about the kingdom. And it's like, or we could just trust the king and, uh, and, and, and love people around us as we pass on the news of the king and just watch what he does as we learn to walk in it. Mm-hmm. Done.
1: Yep. Done. Done. Yep we're worrying and scurrying about to put together the perfect grocery list and recipe yeah. when the
0: whole, whole while this lump is just sitting there right on the table, leavened. And just to think that this thing's going to do it better than the, better than the the most glorious Twinkie you could ever imagine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ain't going to lie, dude. When I was a kid, man, I
0: I love Twinkies, bro. Uh, Come on. A gourmet Twinkie. Yeah. Well, there it is, man. The kingdom the it's only like a thing left to do to that him. is trust man to trust that's the response he yep. only he o- the only response to the parables right is always a response of faith to take so him at his word be free be
1: free from your trying to unleaven the leavened lump mm. be free from feeling as if you have to put together a grocery list be free from feeling as if you have to come up with the recipe be free from feeling you have to be a better baker than this woman in this parable And just trust, be patient and enjoy what is, what has been, what's done, what's finished and what is to come and the unfolding of this kingdom and this King.
0: Amen to that. Till next time. cheers. Cheers.